Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. Chaos, violence, confusion, anxiety. How do we know what's true when there are so many differing voices telling us what to do? After traveling the world for 23 years in a rock band, John L. Cooper has noticed one consistent issue. People are desperately confused. He recently wrote a book called Awake and Alive to Truth. And in this book, he answers some of the most asked questions in modern culture. Today on Connections, John will share with us the inspiration behind this book. He'll also share some of his own personal stories. We'll hear that and so much more today. We're joined today by John Cooper. He's the lead vocalist, bassist, and songwriter producer for Skillet, one of the best-selling rock bands of the 21st century. He's also recently found time to launch his own podcast, Cooper Stuff Podcast. His most recent project, though, is a new book. It's called Awake and Alive to Truth, Finding Truth in the Chaos of a Relativistic World. We're so excited to talk to you, especially about the the book I found really interesting and a lot of the stuff you've been saying over the course of about the last year. Uh, But first, before we get to that, I'm wondering what has the last year been like for you and for Skillet and with everything that COVID has brought us? What's that been like for the (laughs) band? Yeah, very strange. It's the most time that um, we've ever been home since I've been married, right? So, <laughs> and just so people know, Skill has been a band. This is our 25th year, and I've been married for 24 years as of two weeks ago. So um, to say that I've been, been married and been on the road uh, for, for 23 years until COVID, and now we're home for, what has that been, a, a year now. Very, very strange. But there's been some wonderful things about it. You know, we've always been involved with our church. My wife's dad is a pastor. And so we moved away from Tennessee. You know, most bands move to Tennessee, especially in, in the Christian music world. And I'm from Memphis, but we moved away from Tennessee in order to be a part of, of the church because uh, we just felt called to be here. And, and I loved the people. I loved my church leaders and we've always been involved. But in, during the last year, I've been able to actually be involved in church life in a way that I hadn't been before and get and getting able to see people and see how what God is doing in their lives, see them changing. My wife and I began leading our young adults group too, because we didn't have anybody doing it. And I was like, man, we're here. <laughs> we can do it. So we, awesome. we, we started leading our young adults group, which is called Awaken uh, and last September. And we've seen a few people get saved and we've seen people's lives change, people's uh, not, not to be too frank this early in the morning, but people who've struggled with addictions of all sorts, you know, we've prayed it through, we've worked with them, we've began uh, small groups and accountability and to see God freeing people from these things has been, uh, I guess what I'm saying is it's been a weird year, but there have been some beautiful, amazing, bright spots. That sounds so great. A lot of the musicians we talked to, they said that their spouses have found it weird because all of a sudden they're home all the time. But you and Corey, <laughs> like Corey's in the band, so you're used to being together all the time, I guess, anyway. so. Well, yeah, you know, I will tell you this. It is a lot, a lot, lot, lot easier getting along at home than it is on the road. <laughs> because, I mean, imagine, um, I mean, we get along very well, my, my wife and I do, um, but I mean, you're in a bus, you know, you're in a bus with a bunch of other people constantly having to work all of your problems that we have two kids as well, who have always traveled with us. My kids are 18 and 15 now. So we raised our kids on the road. So imagine being a wife 
and being in a bus with 11 other, mainly all dudes, and it smells, <laughs> guys are, are inconsiderate and gross, and you're cramped up, plus you got two crying babies, and you're trying to be a, a, a good spouse and a, and a good business owner and a performer. It's really, really hard, honestly, but for the grace of God. Um, so we're very blessed, but it really is a lot of work. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It's a lot of work, but obviously we get along well, we love each other. And, and I think God's used it as a testimony, but I tell people we've been married for tw- uh, 24 years and, and 24 years in the, in the music industry, it's like dog years. It, it's like 140 marriage years, <laughs> It's 140 accumulated years of rock star marriage. I just want to go back to what you were saying uh, about being in the church and having that opportunity to now just be there. That's got to be awesome to now be able to have that one-on-one intimate time with people as opposed to being on stage and, you know, sharing the bread that way. It's got to be a great experience to be able to do that. It really is. You know, I mean, one of the things that I've been quite passionate about since we began with Skillet was, I love the local church, and and the reason I say that that sound that might sound obvious or trite to some people, but a lot of Christian either musicians or even itinerant speakers don't have that they don't have that church experience that that you know the local body and what that is supposed to mean, and so I do think that some people can get quite jaded or quite cynical, or maybe people listening to the show have been cynical because you've had a bad experience. I know that that's real. People go to church and they were ignored or, or they were mistreated or they didn't feel heard or they didn't make connections. And I know those are real experiences, but I believe that God has uh, called every person who belongs to Christ to be a part of the local body. I believe that the church is going to be God's uh, vehicle on the earth to spread the great news of Christ and the kingdom of God. So I love the local church, even though there's a lot of things that have been difficult, I think we need to make it the best we can and, and do the best we can to reach out to people. So that's been, a, as you said, a real bright spot to me. I'm, I'm very thankful to God for that, even though I am ready for this COVID stuff to be <laughs> over with. <laughs> yes. Amen. I'm ready to get out of my basement studio here and back to <laughs> yeah. work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, John, so you mentioned you are an author now. Your book uh, just recently came out. It's called Awaken Alive. That is the name of a skillet song from years ago, too. But I'm wondering, how did the book come to be? Yeah, I don't, I'm still not comfortable saying that I'm an author. It's like, <laughs> it's like when you first, <laughs> you first get married and the first time you introduce your wife and you're like, do I say wife? That makes me sound so old. And, yeah. and, and so together, this is my <laughs> wife. Anyway, um, I am an author. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I don't know why I'm making a joke. Anyway, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yes, I am an author now. No, I wrote this book um, because what I, what I noticed happening all the way around the world is this amazing amazing um, culture shift. And I know that everybody, you know, life is always hard. Culture is always hard. You're all, if you're a Christian in the world, it's always going to be uh, conflict between what we believe because we've been, you know, we have the spirit of God in us, right? We're born of the spirit. There's always going to be conflict with ideologies from the world, obviously, but it is undeniable in the last decade, there's been a major philosophical shift, not just in the church, but in the world about how the world views truth, how the world comes to its conclusions about what morality is. 
and now even about what reality is, to be frank. And so it's having such a, 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 a world-shaking you know, crisis that is coming into the church now. And the church is struggling in a new way over the last five years that, that I've never seen in my lifetime. And so I wanted to write this book. I call it Theology for Dummies. You know, because I, I'm I'm not a, I, I'm kind of a dummy myself. I'm not an academic. I do, I don't have a college degree. I was failing out of college when God rescued me and put me in a band. Thank <laughs> thank God. I, I I could not have graduated college. I didn't have the brain for it. But I love the Bible, and you don't have to be smart. You know, air quotes smart to understand the word of God and to understand what salvation means and to understand what truth is. There's a very big difference between being intellectual and being wise. You can be non-intellectual, but have wisdom from God, right? Because uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So I wrote this book to help normal people, lay people, non-intellectual people that are confused about what's happening and saying, I don't know how to find truth. What am I supposed to believe? I hope that this book can be an encouragement to them uh, about how you build your life on the unshakable truth of the word of God. Everything else is going to fail. Everything else is going to let you down. And right now, like I say, the church is being infused with so many secular ideas of truth that the church is getting very confused. And I just felt it was important to write the book for that purpose. Now, when you say the word truth, what what is your definition of truth? Oh, thank you. Great question. The book lays this out. In our society right now, there are two ways to find truth. Number one, number one path leads to life. And that is found only in Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. How do we know who Jesus Christ actually is? How do we know what Jesus actually believed? We have the Bible. The Bible is the word of God. And so what we see happening a lot in Christianity, of course, are people saying, well, I do want to follow Jesus, but I would like to divorce Jesus from his own words and the Bible. So there's this new thing starting off. And part of the point of my book is saying, that's an impossibility. If you divorce Jesus's own words from Jesus, then you're, you're making up a new Jesus. That's a phantom. That's not really who he is. So path one leads to life, and that's found in the Bible and the word of God through the death of Jesus Christ. And then the second way you can try to find truth will lead you to death. And that is found in anything else outside of Jesus Christ and his word. And right now, what, what I would say is the most popular view of that truth is not actually another world religion. It's actually more just in myself, my own feelings that I should be able to define what is good and what is bad, what is right and what is true and what is wrong and what justice is. I should be able to define all those things. And that's when you lead into the confusion we see even in the church with people that say, you know, I I just don't, I don't agree with that scripture because the Jesus I know would never And then you fill in the blank with whatever thing it is that you don't like about the Bible. And so I put that in the other category. That's a path that will lead you to death because that's not the true Jesus. And so that's how I define truth in in the book. Were you, uh, were you scared or hesitant at all to say this? Like worried about, are some fans going to be upset with me taking this stance and saying, it sounds weird, right? For a Christian artist worried (laughs) about saying Jesus is the only way. (laughs) But today, some people are worried to say that. Uh, Yeah, very interesting question. Uh, 
I, I don't think I was scared to say it. I, I do think it would be, be naive to not um, be aware that that's a possibility of what you just said, meaning that some people are going to get mad. Uh, frankly, this was the biggest shock to me, which is exposes my naivete. It's not naivety. It's naivete because I'm an author. So I can, you know, <laughs> um, yes. my, my naivete that some Christian <laughs> artists would even find it a little too extreme. You know, mm. um, that sort of progressive Christianity has seeped into the church and into Christian music as well. So yeah, it would be naive to know, to not, to not know some people would be bad, but I wasn't scared because I think the best way to say it is this. I feel that we're in such a dangerous place right now. The stakes are so high. And I know people personally who I never thought would ever deny Christ, who would never fall away from their faith. They have been so influenced by these secular ideologies that we're talking about. They have been so influenced by them that there have been people I never thought would fall from the faith that have just decided they are not a Christian anymore. And I said, you know what, even if this costs me some of those fans, even if it makes some people in the industry mad, it's just a price you have to pay because it, we're, we're in a battle, the likes of which I've never seen. It is that important. And that's why I decided to do it. Why are people so confused? Like Mike just said, mm. it, there's only supposed to be one way, right? Yeah. You know, I think that there's lots of reasons. Maybe the simplest thing would just say this, that culture is, is shifted. Here's a, good, here's a good way to say it. 50 years ago in America, even if you were an, an atheist, even if you hated the idea of God and you thought it was ridiculous, even so, you would have been born, and I'm talking about in the West, okay? I know you guys are in Canada, but in the West, Western culture, you would have been born in a culture that believed in a Christian worldview. And I'm not trying to say that that means that they are Christians. I just mean the way you see the world, that you believe in objective reality. You believe in some sort of right and wrong. You shouldn't go steal from somebody because there is a system of, of laws in place. That would be the West based on Judeo-Christian ethics. So 50 years ago, an atheist had that sort of worldview. Well, as you look at it today in 2021, not only does the world not have that worldview, most young Christians don't even have that worldview. Most young Christians don't even know there is absolute truth, absolute morality, absolute objective reality, because they've been raised in a culture of postmodernism that says that truth is not absolute. It is relative. And a big word for that is just called relativism. It just says, well, that's, that's your truth. But that's not my truth. You know, that's where that comes from. So even within Christianity, you have young people that say they follow Christ, yet they don't believe in absolute truth, which makes no sense. But they don't know it. That is the degree to which they've been indoctrinated into that worldview. If you put that into Christianity, well, then when you read the Bible, there is no absolute right or wrong way to read it. So then you can make the Bible mean anything that you want to. Does that make sense? So I think that that has happened to such a degree without, I think people 40 and over were unaware that that was happening. That's why all the old folks are scratching their heads. Like what in the world is going on? And so that also is part of the reason I wrote the book. I've been saying, this is great for parents. It's great for people that are grandparents that want to understand the philosophies of the day in order to speak the truth of the word of God to it. 
and the reason, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm over 40. The reason we were so shocked is we never imagined anyone would believe in postmodernism because it doesn't make any sense. And I didn't think that anybody would take that sort of life uh, philosophy seriously, but that is what our entire uh, culture is built upon now. Obviously yeah. social media and the internet have played a huge role in all of this. Absolutely. Well, social media brings in the emotional emotionalism as well, because um, everybody should have a voice. And that's my experience. And if you, if you come against my experience, then you are being a hater and you are being a bigot and you are denying, you know, my truth and my experience. So all of a sudden uh, what we place the most value on is life experience and feelings as opposed to a higher you know standard of truth that is fixed that cannot change so all of a sudden all that those emotions come into it and that is also why that if you you know just imagine you infuse that into the bible well all of a sudden you've got all these bizarre renderings of and interpretations of what you know pe- people mean What's some of the feedback that you've been getting from people then that have read the book since it came out? One of the greatest uh, things I was talking to a friend of mine who, who loves God, loves Jesus, is a radical Christian and somebody that I love. And, and uh, he read the book and he, he just said, I, it, I, I had never understood to that level how much the Bible is actually the word of God. And that really floored me. It made me so excited because, you know, um, in in the book of Hebrews, uh, the Bible says this, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is inseparable from God himself. So if you have come to the word of God and you have read the word of God, then you have come face to face with God. Those are his words. They're inseparable. And I had a friend of mine say, I hadn't really understood to the degree that I should read the word of God and take it as if God was saying it to me face to face. And that was very exciting, but I've had a few other testimonies, but that one got me really excited. And so my friend really started studying the Bible and all of a sudden, you know, he's been texting me with, Charles Spurgeon quotes. And I'm like, okay, okay. Well, I got somebody to Charles Spurgeon. That feels like a job well done. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, we don't have uh, much time left. I know you're busy. Maybe before uh, the book though, tell us really quickly uh, about the podcast, how it's been going and where we can uh, find that. Oh, I'd love to. Sure. Well, first of all, I'll say this. Um, I, uh, the book is only available on my website. And I always wow. tell p- p- uh, people that for two reasons. Number one, if you want to buy it, uh, you got to go to my website, johnlcooper.com. johnlcooper.com. If you want to go straight to the book, you put slash awake at the end. johnlcooper.com slash awake. But I also tell people that it's only available there because it gives you some insight of how much culture is changing. I'll make this story as quick as I can, but you guys will know this. I don't know if your listeners will know this or not, but look, 10, 15, 20 years ago, if you wanted, if you were a publishing agency, then you would want to to sign somebody that wrote a book and you want to help them build a platform and build a name and, and because their content was good. 
that's different now. What publishers want now is they want somebody who already has a platform, right? If you write a book and you don't have an Instagram page or a Facebook following, all that the publisher will say is, why don't you have a, an Instagram page? Why don't you have a following? You know, they want you to build your own brand. So that being said, technically it should have been easy for me to get a publishing deal because I've got a large following from my music career, right? And I took it to Christian publishers six or seven, they were all like, yeah, we really want to make a book with you, John. And I wrote the book, turned it in, and I got denied by every single publisher. And I say that to say this, it gives you an insight to what is popular to say in Christianity today and what is unpopular. And I believe that my book is quite unpopular to say because it says it's not about you. It ain't about your feelings. It's not about what you want the Bible to say. It's about the fact that God is supreme overall and whatever he says is right. Whatever he says is good. And if you do it, your life is going to flourish. So that's why I tell that story about the book. I started doing the podcast, Cooper Stuff Podcast, which you can get on Apple, uh, you know, Apple Podcasts. You can go to YouTube, Cooper Stuff Podcast. Because um, I want to talk about culture and all of the confusing, you know, something new will happen. And Christians are like, well, how do I respond? You know, some Christians are saying I have to, you know, I have to go protest for A, B, or C. Other Christians are telling me that I'm not allowed to go protest for A, B, C. Um, uh, Some Christians say that Jesus is love and this is what Jesus would want. And other people say, no, that's not what love means. Everybody's so confused. And I've been confused as well over the last 10 years. So I began doing the podcast to try to just say, Here are the simple answers. Living for Jesus is not supposed to be confusing. It's not easy carrying your cross, but it's not supposed to be confusing. This is what the word of God says. This is the simple version. This is the philosophy of why people are saying A, B, or C. And I try to encourage people the best way that I can through culture, philosophy, theology for dummies. Let's go back to the good old days of the Bible. That sounds like a great plan to me. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, really oh, I love hanging out with you. The time. We'd love to oh, chat sure. with you again in the future. Anytime you want. You guys know where to reach me. It's so great to chat with you. Thanks for having me on. I hope everybody out there has a great day. Thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.